What is up, ladies and gentlemen? We are at it again on the road. This time, we took a trip over to Asheville to visit our friends at the Making Whole Studios. Uh, Making Whole is a uh, pretty amazing program that my man Jeremy French started up uh, where he takes guys in early recovery on as apprentices in his kind of like shop to teach them um, a trade, teach them valuable skills as a part of kind of the, the therapeutic process. It's a like a one year ish internship program. Well, they learn like valuable problem solving skills that they can apply to both their process of recovery and just life in general. Um, it's an amazing studio. The guys are doing awesome work over there. Uh, we enjoyed the day. It was a ton of fun. Every day, Jeremy cooks like a lunch and he kind of opens his doors to the community for people to come in and have lunch with them and kind of hang out. So that's exactly what we did. And we hosted a podcast while we were there. Got to talk to some of the apprentices, got to talk to Jeremy, and most importantly, got to enjoy an awesome lunch. So tons of love to Jeremy for inviting us over uh, and for the phenomenal work that he's doing. So that's what you get to listen to today, a little bit of the conversation that took place over lunch. So that being said, give it up for the boys at Making Whole. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Can I get a chance? I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know that I ever said that. <laughs> you said it like every day. Every day well, we get in and you're like, how, how many more days? Jeremy's well, not a bullshitter. Jeremy won't bullshit you. He won't you know bu- how they just, have. He's a that's straight not shooter. Accurate. Jeremy's a straight shooter. So, so when I was growing up, we had an advent calendar, you know? And it was like stitched together with like kind of like a felt material. And every day it was like this thing where you got to go put a different figurine on the, on the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And you just get so excited. Well, we have one of these. You can't see it right now because it's in the wood shop. And uh, every day, Ethan's come in and put a little figurine on there. Oh my goodness! For his, no. for his chance oh to be God. famous. That's so. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Jeremy. What's that? They're on the window still. They're on the window still. They're all the little figurines that have been they've been waiting 
I that's like that's like Ethan basically. He's been sitting at the window waiting for Steven to show up, looking for the microphone, waiting for the chance to get on the microphone. Internet famous. Here we go. Johnny Kennedy's back at the table. Yeah, JP. can't stay away. I just follow Steven around and try and get get my face in the photo just a little bit or get back on the mic again. You gonna bring your humor today? Or you get, did you just leave it at home with the wife? I know this is like for a very specific audience member, but I just want to start this out by saying that Ginger Malcolm is afraid of going on the podcast with me at the same time because she knows I have more charisma and energy than she does. <laughs> I love it. She, uh, she, she talks I'm not, about I'm not talking shit. It's like Jeremy's not talking shit. He's just, he's a truth teller. He's a straight shooter. He's just, truth to power. Just, just giving us the facts. And that's just Ginger Malcolm. That's the facts. She said she was going to be here today and I don't see her. So. <laughs> fashionably, bl- fashionably late as like usual. Like the Christmas party. Like the Christmas party. Like the Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's like kind of like reset for a little bit and talk about like who you are, where are we, what are we doing, what is making whole. I'm gonna let somebody else answer that question. I'll answer that question right, while you're moving stuff. answer that question while Michael's gonna come over here and he's gonna talk. Michael was the first guy to be here. Okay. And so I have no idea what he's gonna say. This is completely unscripted, and we're gonna let him explain what's going on here. Does that sound like a plan? Let's do this. All right. He's gonna have to put his his little puppy dog. Let's he can bring her with her. Bring bring the puppy dog. The puppy dog needs to be famous. That dog's absolutely gonna be famous. <laughs> So this is one of the most punk rock things I've witnessed in West North Carolina. Not you and the puppy dog, but what Jeremy is doing here. Yeah, yeah. I just thought he was a knucklehead who I played soccer with. But then he was like, come on down and see what I'm doing. This thing is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a game changer. And I don't mean to give Jeremy compliments because he doesn't deserve them. But this thing is a game changer. You want me to help you out, brother? Um, you were about the dog. You don't have to wear it. You don't yeah, have I'll to be wear good. It's I, cool. I can hear you. I don't like hearing my own voice. So, um... What's your name? Uh, Michael. Michael. Lavin. Michael Lavin, the first apprentice yes. at Making Whole. What is Making Whole? Um, I get to uh, work for the only person probably in the world who knows more than I do, which is hard. Kind of know everything. Um, <laughs> what else he yeah, thinks so, he does? We make cool shit, uh-huh. and I'm terrible at this. Come uh, on. Yeah, we make stuff, and we learn how to be better human beings. I guess that's before we make stuff. And I, know, I was here by myself for a while, and that was cool. Um, but now it feels more... With more people, kind of more like a family. I definitely sense that walking in the door and seeing all you guys like in action in your own little space doing what you do. Um, with that being said, how did you, how did you like find out what was going on here and what interests you about signing up for something like this? Yeah, um, so kind of my whole life I've always been interested in like fashion and design and that kind of thing, but I don't know if I never really uh, tried to find a way to like be able to work that into my life or if I just never really had a good opportunity to do something like that. But my halfway house, the owner of the halfway house I was at, uh, worked for Jeremy, 
I don't know, how many years ago did Zach work for you? Uh, over a decade ago. Yeah, so uh, I guess he heard from Jeremy that he was starting this up and then kind of told me about it. And then I went from there. What kind of project have you? Because yeah, I walked in, y'all got you guys were doing some like pretty cool stuff back there. Yeah. When I, got here um, well, when I first got here, there was nothing yeah. at all. There was just like some walls and stuff. So. So this beautiful kitchen that's yeah, behind me. All of this stuff we've done. Pretty much everything in here, other than the machines we've been building. Yeah. So we should draw like a word picture for all the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are listening. Millions. Millions of people who are listening is that we're in a massive industrial space, basement industrial space in Asheville, which has how much, how many square feet is this place? Like 7,500, how big? How big is this? 8,000. 8,000. So it's in 8,000 industrial square feet and has tons of like metalworking and and woodworking and uh, concrete pouring machines. And this is Jeremy's baby, his dream that the best way to help people through recovery is to actually give them these really legitimate skills, really rewarding skills. And so they built this whole space. I think that's what we're talking about. Built these like massive tables of counters of concrete and did the wood paneling and did all the, the divisions and, and made this space. So it's an amazing space. It is. Yeah. It is. I didn't. I didn't realize the size of it until I walked in the door when I saw like pictures on Instagram and conversations with Jeremy and um, sitting down and talking with him about the work that's being done in here. I expected like I expected that shop over there. And yeah, that, yeah. That's really yeah. like all I expected. Like I didn't expect all this additional um, kind of common common space along with like the massive woodworking shop. Yep. Back there. Who who, who works back there? All of us. Uh, everybody. Cool. The 90-year-old? The old-timer? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get him off. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ethan, what, tell me about your experience here, man. Um, it's not only is working here fun, but I feel like I need a little bit more intensity than just going to AA meetings. And so it's really great to be able to come here every weekday and work for nine or so hours in like a recovery type setting with other people who are in recovery. Um, And Jeremy's got this weird way of like spinning these metaphors that like only make sense (laughs) at the last moment, but then like you think about it for the rest of the night. Um, Like, does it make sense? Yeah, no, they do. They do. They make a lot of sense. It's just, it's funny how he does it. Uh, He'll relate something we're working on to recovery or to life in general, because it's not just not just about recovery. Um, And I just love working here. It's it's really fun to work with my hands and do these sort of projects. Uh, I've never done anything like this before. Um, So yeah. What um. How did you find out about it? Michael was my roommate at a halfway house. Okay. And uh, he, 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 he came to me one, one night and was like, he was telling me all about, all about the program for weeks. And um, one day he's like, you should come in. Jeremy's looking to scholarship someone. And I was like, man, I'll, I'll come in and give it a shot because I was doing tree work before this. Um, and I came in and... And Jeremy said, why don't you come work for me? And that was that. How long have you been here? I don't even... 
I've been here since July. Okay. I think. August. I've been here since August. Monday through Friday. Kind of yeah. nine to five deal. Yeah. Yeah. What's a typical most weekends? What's eight eight thirty five thirty. What's a typical day like? Like describe a typical day in the. You come in and work on whatever projects we've been working on. Sit down for lunch, usually you know anywhere from twelve to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice extended lunch. That's. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then, just go. I mean, every day is different. Depending on what we're working on. Yeah, that's a hard question to answer. What kind of projects, man? Well, we built both countertops, the cabinets, that bar. Um, we just installed the, uh, the back of the bar today. Um, so that's something we've been working on. Michael did this cool project before I got here that was uh, like these table, these concrete table bases for a restaurant in Atlanta. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't here to work on that. Let's see, we've done, we do a lot of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, that planner outside, we did that. Um, poured the footer, built the form, poured the footer, laid the brick, and then put a cap on it. Went to the nursery and got a bunch of plants. So we ate those for a little while. That was, that was a nice addition. Did either of you two have any prior experience in this type I, uh, of trade? No. I did do community service after I got arrested. <laughs> Didn't we and all, I, uh, brother? Didn't we all? <laughs> I, I built some stuff for like a community theater. That was about the extent of my knowledge. Yeah. So none. So pretty novice, like walking in the door. I'm sorry, I can't hear you, sir. It's one of the best. You were one, you one of the best at reading the tape? No, it was god awful. <laughs> um, who's your friend? Uh, this is Danny Daenerys. Mm-hmm. The shop dog? Whose dog is it? It's shop- mine. Oh, that's your dog. Yeah, she's um, she's still in training. Uh-huh. She, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> she. Yeah, she. Uh, Goes to the bathroom wherever she pleases right now. Okay. And I get to clean it all up. In the shop. <laughs> yeah. In the shop. Johnny, have you um, tapped into these resources here and like? Yeah, I've hung out with I've hung out with Mike. I've yeah. hung out with Jeremy. Are these guys like on board? On Are you working with them on your project or? Yeah, I have I have uh, Mike's oral history. I have uh, Jeremy's oral history, and then I try and make it at least once a week, just to get a free. <laughs> Lunch out of does he show up for the free lunch or does he show up for the? I didn't. He's out. Well, I ate my lunch. I did. <laughs> I gotta go. I did notice that when he walked in the door, you asked him. The first thing you asked him was how long you planned on staying today, and he said, "Oh, he mumbled something." I said, I'm, like, I'm here till two. two. I'm here till two. <laughs> what are your What are your long term goals? Like, what do you plan to do after you complete? What is it? One year. Ish. Yeah. Uh, what are you gonna, What do you What are you gonna do with these skills? Um. Well, I'd like, as far as like the woodworking and the concrete skills go, I'd like to uh, stay in the field. Um, maybe I'll go back to school at some point, but that's that's a consideration for down the road. Um, but no matter what I do, like I'll carry on a lot of the life skills that I've that I'm learning here. 
long-term goals in my life have always failed pretty miserably. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna just see how it goes. Yeah. That's the best answer. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. I, I agree with you, man, because um, like I'm the type of person that like when I set these long-term goals, like I'm always they're always changing and they're always yeah. like. Like what I wanted to do when I in early recovery, getting back into school, and I was like studying substance abuse counseling, and I wanted to go in like social work and do all these grand things, and that's totally changed from where I stand today. And like yeah. wanting to like do this podcast and wanting to like engage more in the recovery community and um, talk with individuals on. All, oh, we got a, we got a, we got a we got a new uh, a new party to the table. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. What's happening? Introduce yourself. I'm Adam. Adam. Yeah. Welcome to NC Raw. Thanks for... Good to be here. Thanks for like hosting. You were like influential in that cooking process back there a little bit, huh? Uh, that's probably Kinda. an overstatement. Uh, I it? did slice some tomatoes, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, I seen you back there working, man. I seen you back there working. The smell of bacon is like overcoming me. It really is. The smell of bacon. I'll get you some. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. So uh, tell me about your experience here, man. Uh, so I've been here about a month. I. Uh, Are you the newest? Uh, yeah, I guess I am. Danny's the newest. <laughs> Danny's the newest? Yeah. I, uh, but I've known Jeremy for years. Uh, lived here for a while and had moved away. And was in a treatment center down in Texas, left abruptly, and you know, I had some chaos going on, and I talked to Jeremy, he said if I could get myself here, you know, I'd have a spot for me. So I think it was definitely the right move. Drove 1,100 miles pretty directly, and I've been here for 43 days. Kick ass, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's been going good. What, um, outside of what you're doing here at Making Whole. If you're okay like talking about some of these things, outside of what you're doing here at Making Whole, like what else are you, what does your recovery look like? Like what else are you doing in your personal life outside of the skills that you're learning here and this kind of sense of community that you guys are doing? Like what, what kind of approach? How would you define it? Uh, I mean, just 12 step stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just trying to follow the formula. Yeah. This is sort of the new piece. Um, I've done, you know, AA and NA in the past with some success, um, but I've never been able to maintain it longer than about a year, year and a half. So uh, I don't know. I'm hoping to have a new experience this time around. But meetings, halfway house, sponsor, yeah. that kind of deal. Have you? Do you have any prior experience in a? trade like this? Yeah, I've worked construction most of my life. Um, started framing houses and stuff when I was 14. Uh, did cabinetry for a while. I worked on boats down in Florida. Worked for a luthier here in town, building guitars for a while and was building furniture on my So you're own. like a natural fit for this kind of model almost. Totally, yeah. It's like heaven to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the nicest shop I've ever seen, let alone worked in. I'd like to uh, tour around and check it out a little bit further before I 
head out this afternoon and see some of the. So like, I think I was asking Jeremy because like I still haven't haven't really gotten the answer. But like, could somebody explain what making whole is? I kind of I want to I want to kind of like reset for the audience who didn't catch Jeremy's podcast when he was first on a couple months ago. Like, what is the program? What do you guys do here? Um, no pressure, man. I got a mouthful of bacon, but hey, I'm Andy Ray. Andy, Steve, nice to meet you, Steve, sir. Good to meet you, man. Um, the way I see this program is to take people that need help in their lives and put them to work in a meaningful way. And in here, we're doing what I consider four things. We're building concrete, metal, and wood furniture. And we're also centered around food and the cooking of food and the nutrition behind food and the community gathering of food. So I think that plays a big part of, of what all of us are doing here. And of course, there's a free lunch every day. Yeah. And it's not just the free lunch from what Jeremy was pumping last time he was on. The free lunch is you open the doors to the community. Is that correct? Like yeah. you invite anybody and everybody. So to all my friends in Asheville and, and beyond, if, if I start talking about this place, I'm like, come here noonish <laughs> because lunch is free and it's nutritious. It's not a crap lunch. It's good lunch. Yeah. Sometimes it's cooked right here or prepped. Most times, right? Often, yeah. quite often. So I think working, working in a meaningful way, meaning that we're creating real things here, furniture-based designs and, and we're learning, all these guys, including me, we're learning techniques that are centered around a real craft, whether it be concrete, metal, or wood, or any other. We're actually recently getting into a bunch of leather work. Um, it carries a certain uh, authenticity that I think builds a life of, of honesty and character and, and worth, as opposed to, and I'm kind of involved a little bit with 12-step, my girlfriend's a recovering alcoholic, and, so, and I've been familiar with it for years. I've known Jeremy for almost 20 years now, since we both moved here about the same time. Uh, um, doing, doing something that keeps you busy but has meaningful business to it is better than, I mean, I'm not dissing going to meetings and all, but there's a, there's a level of, of, uh, of integration and, and showing up and being here that you can't get in most other programs. And then you have something that, that you take with you, which is a skill or an experience um, that the shop here provides because we're doing real work. And we're trying to do fine furniture, so this isn't a beginner's course, as it were. These guys, some of them, like Michael, you know, didn't know how to read a tape measure, but they're also learning how to hand plane a piece of wood down to thousandths of an inch to get the kind of fit that we want for fine furniture, yeah. that kind of stuff. And looking back like, what, six, seven months ago, that stuff was foreign to you, right? And now you're taking that right. valuable, valuable skill set and can apply that to other aspects of your life. Yeah, I think it, it does. It translates, I think, that when you go home and part of what you're doing in the day translates to what you're doing at home in terms of focus, the attention that you have to give to things to be able to create furniture and to design, and you start looking at the beauty around you instead of the filth. Yeah. Do you, start, do you find yourself like analyzing like other 
pieces of furniture or things out in your life, like looking at oh, it, yeah. like, you know, I would have done that a little bit differently. Or Jeremy totally would have told me to do this instead of. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm just getting over a cold. Um, so, what, what do you plan to do with this set of skills? Let's I've go. been doing this forever, so I'm almost 40 years in the trade right. of furniture making, woodworking specifically. Um, I've got a background in writing and editing. I've written five or more books and numerous articles, and, and I've taught in different classes around the country. So for me, this is a shop. This is yeah. a really cool shop. It's not only got woodworking, it's got metal and concrete, which is a really newer medium for me, which is exciting. So it's, it's basically a place for me to work. And I find that I come here to get whole. It's making me more whole than I've ever been, just being in this space with this set of people and the program that we're working on. Now, most of the um, work that's being done, like initially was to like build the space here. Mm -hmm. But moving forward, like what type of, um, what type of jobs do you guys like take on? Like who, like who hires you? Matt, I got some oh, I got some yeah. ideas. Yeah. Well, okay. Matt, well, Matt, well, first introduce yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Matthew. Welcome. Welcome here. Thank what you. um? Thank so you for having me, I mean. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So, you. Um, so I started this program about uh, five, five six months ago. Um, I have. Uh, had about a year of sobriety, and I just wanted to kind of further that, um, make sure I got into something that would, you know, take up some time, and I would learn a little bit while, <clears throat> while being sober, because, um, I mean, just like building stuff every day and keeping my hands busy, like, keeps me from, um, thinking about like going out and relapsing or going out and partying on the weekends, you know, gives me a little bit of time to collect myself and, um, you know, learn something new while I'm doing it. So what do you want to build? Tell me about some of these oh. ideas you got, man. Oh, well, right now Adam's helping me with uh, a crystal case. I collect like gems and minerals and stuff. So I'm making a display case. Um, Earlier this year, I learned how to refinish a little nightstand, um, painted like a little mandala on top of that, and um, so the design. Like process to learn how to do stuff like longboards and okay. skateboards. And the design process is pretty open to like what. What yeah, what Maddie might bring something in and say, I want to do this, and so. He's got all these heads around him that he that can help him get the design. Yeah, a lot, a, a lot of um, and techniques for. Building. I know Adam's been working for like what ten years now, and uh, you've been working for what like forty. Ninety. Yeah, <laughs> long time. So, so when I come in and have a question about woodworking, um, it's good to have people that are you know knowledgeable of that kind of skill. Um, because like before in the past, I, woodworking never really crossed my mind. I'd gotten into like ceramics before, but um, not till this year did I become interested in woodworking and um, different cement work. 
Um, when, I, when I started, we built uh, the garden box outside, did the brickwork for that, and did all the cement work for that. And um, that was like a really cool, I think it was spring then. It was spring, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really cool spring project. And then. Um, and we got to pick the greens that grew from the garden. Yeah, then we got to pick the greens we for that, that. And we, we cut off the salad. Um, bar at least once a week, you know, use all the greens that we planted this spring for um, fresh salad, and that's just like really great, man. Um, it's just like good to wake up in the morning and know that you're doing something productive every day till the afternoon, and then gives a little bit of time. You know, I still got time for my NA program to do the 12 steps and to go to the AA meetings. I like to go to like two or three, two or three of those a week when I'm not working here. And then that gives time for the weekends, you know, go ride mountain bikes and- Stay active. Yeah, stay active and then come back and um, think about building shop tables or like, I learned how to make a chopping block for um, the kitchen. I know my mom likes that one. She really likes the chopping block and um, just a bunch of different exciting opportunities that we have here. When, uh, I think when Jeremy was on last, we were kind of like exploring this question a little bit, but like what, it, what is it about like the process of like making stuff? Like that from the idea to like the fabrication process to like the outcome of whatever it is that you're building that like provides that like fulfillment, natural fulfillment for us. Um, it's kind of like a, a primal like part of our DNA that like it's just. Did I tell you about my like chicken coop story? Oh, yeah, yeah like, I remember that. When I you heard it? Mm -hmm. When I first in early recovery, I moved from from Florida, like literally like a month out of getting out of treatment, and. I'm up in my family's cabin on top of this mountain, and like a week after I got here, we got snowed in, like two feet of snow or something. And I was kind of like, you know, kind of like getting a little stir crazy, and I was just like looking for something to do. I was getting literally cooped up. And so like- Chicken. Um, I was like, I don't know, I was just messing around on the internet, on the computer, fucking around, and I, um, I was like, somehow, I was just like, I'm gonna build a chicken coop. I started scrounging around in my garage, like looked, I, we had a bunch of like leftover material from different projects on the cabin and stuff like that. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna build this chicken coop, but I'm not gonna purchase any material. I'm just gonna use like whatever I can scrounge up on the property, whatever I can find. So like I spent like the next like four days, like, you know, creating this, building this chicken coop, like in the garage. Like I was in the garage, just like piecing together stuff and then like ended up, you know, with a finished product, right? And then like, as soon as the snow melted, I went down to the feed store and I got like six little chicks, little baby chicks. And I raised them up and then like, you know, eight, nine months later, I'm getting like six eggs a day out of the chicken coop, you know? And it's like, it was like that natural like process. And it was just like, it was so fulfilling for me. And I don't have really like a, a background in like any type of like carpentry work or anything like that whatsoever. But I was just like, you know, it's just something to do. So like, you know, what is it about that, that process of just like 
from the idea, like the moment you have the idea, and then you begin to like sketch it out, right? And then you begin to plan it, and then you begin to like gather your materials or make your make your material list and like put it all together and to then to see the outcome. Like what is it about that that process that so much of it is a problem solving situation, which is our lives are filled with problems. Get us out of the shop and go back home when you, you face problems. So we, I think we learn by problem solving every day. We have to figure stuff out. What we're doing here is usually, typically nobody has done any of this before. We're doing something that's unique. It's a one-off. We're building a kitchen bar out of concrete and walnut that's never been done before and probably never be done again. So there's all these little issues that we have to solve while we're building that. And they crop up. You can't sit there and you do some planning, which is important. I think that's also important to your life process. But in the reality and the stronger pull for me is that you realize that shit happens and that you have to solve that issue that comes up while you're creating something. So problem solving is a big part of the, of the daily grind here that to me is exciting. I love it. I mean, it's faced me with a, um, an issue that has to be solved and I'll, I'll find out some way. And one of the things that I'm getting here is that there's all these different heads here and different, there's an entrainment that kind of happens where people are coming together so the knowledge is shared and the problems are easier to solve as a group in this setting than they would be on your own in a small little shop or in your house at home at night. So um, I think that's a big part of the program is, is dealing with issues that pop up. And sometimes it's an emotional issue for one of us here where we're having a rough day and that's problem solving. And part of that is just the community effort of everybody here to help somebody else who might be having a rough day. So tell me an example of how one of you guys have taken some of these problem solving skills and kind of applied it in your life outside of the studio. A oh, good question. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I just got out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer your other well, question. <clears throat> for me, oh, were you going to talk? Go ahead. Oh, um, just like learning how to deal with my frustrations um, when it comes down to like learning new things and not getting so much hung up on like not being able to do it at first. Um, and then having like a team of people to work with. Um, it really helps by the end of the day because I, I know I like, uh, there's like times when I go through things and I'm just like really super frustrated because I have no idea how to complete the process right. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, if I was by myself, I would never be able to figure this out. Like, what am I gonna do? And then like, you know, Jeremy always calms me down and just like tells me to be here now and uh, just like figure out the problem as a team or like um, work out whatever the situation is at hand. Does that help you at home when you get frustrated with something? Yeah, and um, I mean, there, there's people up there too um, at the sober living that I live at. So, I mean, I miss most of the, the days with them. I'm usually here, but um, I think it has been a lot easier for me um, just to get through the day, having, having other people. 
I can, I can always ask Ethan and Michael. Um, they just moved on. They used to live at the sober house. Um, but, I mean, there's always somebody here to talk to, you know. And so I think that helps with the group dynamics. Um, just like every day, you know, we work a little bit better as a team, I think. Like trying to, trying to get projects done and um, coming together and make, making like, <coughs> you know, useful pieces, shop equipment, tables, countertops. And um, just like the satisfaction of building something, oh, the satisfaction of building something that's functional and that um, we can all use together in the shop is just like, feels great. Yeah, you talked about like overcoming challenges, like trying to like um, problem solve, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of like what our, our minds kind of like always want to do or always trying to do. But it's also like, I think I can see value in um, kind of like having the idea formulating like the concept of whatever it is that you're trying to create and then it not working out, right? Definitely. And then like that, being able to apply that life skill, saying that like, okay, like things aren't always gonna be the way that I want them to be. Like I have this grand idea and I can see what it looks like in my head, but uh, you know, it's just not gonna work out. Like I put the pieces to the puzzle together and they don't fit, mm -hmm. right? And then you could take that skill and apply it to whatever it is that's going on in your, in your daily life. Like, um, so failure, failure to me is a big yeah. part of success. And unanswered questions. Like I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily have, though I want to solve the problem, I might not be able to. Yes, <clears throat> yeah. And then I can accept that, right? And I can still like move forward without getting the answers that, I'm, that my mind is looking for. So I think patience comes in with that. That's a learning mm -hmm. process that happens here and at home, wherever, but that that failure is a big part of, of, of everything we do in terms of designing and creating and making furniture. And it's certainly been the case for me for, for almost four decades of just trying stuff. And, and uh, most of it doesn't work, to be honest. Most of it doesn't work. But then you move around that and you try something else and something starts to gel a little bit. And you may end up with something at the end. You may not end up with anything at the end, but you're going to walk away with something in you, I think, that, that fortifies, at the very least, your spirit, if not your whole character, in terms of patience and, and focus and the ability to stay with something until you feel like you need to let it go. Um, and that's part of what I do every day, is just try and get something done. I don't, I mean, we all want to succeed, and that's certainly part of the goal, but, but that expectations have to be realistic or authentic, and that means that you're not always going to succeed. So I look at failure as a great way, a measure of how far you can come. The more you fail, the more likely you are to succeed at any task. But in, in early recovery, probably more so than anything, there's a, for many individuals, myself being one of them, there's like a, a heavy sense of like fear of failure. Yeah, it's fear and of that's hard to Yeah, it's hard to like, it's hard to step up to the challenge. Adam, that's your cue to sit up. Start talking right there. Adam's got some experience with early recovery, yeah? I've been in early recovery for like 10 years, pretty much. You got any experience with being afraid of failure? Yeah. I mean, um, 
It can be crippling, yeah. I mean, it's uh, hard to have faith in building a life when you have an awareness that you could potentially burn it all down at any moment. So coming in here mm -hmm. and tackling some of these projects, knowing that there's an opportunity that there's a chance that whatever it is that you guys are working on might not, might fail, right? We did a little failing this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scary failing. Oh, yeah. Shit. Chunks of wood flying across the shop. <clears throat> I, I, one of the things that's interesting in listening to you talk about this and having, it, it being a difficult thing to say, what, how do I apply what I'm learning here out into the world? Um, I just had an anniversary earlier in the week, and I was thinking back to something a guy told me early in recovery um, in my first couple of months. He said, you got to be willing to push a peanut with your nose from here to California. And if you'd asked me the day after he had said that, um, whether that had any significance in my life, particularly outside of the context of the relationship I had with him, um, I wouldn't have been able to give you any answers about that. Um, and part of the reason why is because learning is such a slow thing, you know, learning how to you know, learning how to use a tape measure. One of the things that guys come in here and what Maddie was just talking about is that there's a lot of frustration in um, going up against something you don't know how to do, right? Um, it's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people in early recovery get so myopic and, and, and myopic and, and into themselves. It's because it's easier to not try anything than to try something and fail, right? <clears throat> and so there's a value in, in becoming comfortable with learning how to use a tape measure. That, doesn't necessarily translate immediately out into the world, certainly not in a fashion that you can comprehend, right? And so when I look back to this guy telling me this, I realized today that, con that, that idea has shown up in my head over and over and over again this year in particular, um, is that I've got to be willing to go to any lengths um, and not let anything come in my way of doing something that's um, difficult and um, challenging and all those types of things. That idea, um, those simple ideas are what changed the, the trajectory of my life. And so part of what um, I feel real strongly about this place and about recovery in general and why all the, all the um, modalities that work, that survive the test of time and recovery, all involve community. Um, almost without exception, there's some sort of community element in that. Um, and I think part of the reason why that ends up playing out in the long run um, is that the growing is this sort of, um, it's like a dance, you know, and it's a dance that happens with other people who are at different stages in development. Um, and it happens slowly over a period of time. And before you realize it, you can dance. It's like, um, it's funny, Matty said, uh, Adam's playing guitar, he's quite an accomplished guitar player, he was playing the other day. Um, and, and, and Maddie said, oh, I got a guitar, and I tried it, and it sucked. I, I hated it, you know. I wanted to play My Girl or something like that on the guitar, and it didn't work, you know. Um, and so what's funny with Adam is recently he was kind of in a similar spot, accomplished, but like at, at a standstill about, like he couldn't get any further with his, his learning, you know. He couldn't kind of break through the wall, so he went to school and started studying that. Um, and over a period of time, I could hear him because I would see him on occasion out here as playing. I could hear how much it had changed, but still there's this... Uh, element of learning where you don't hear it yourself. You don't see the transformation yourself until a lot of times pass, but you just keep showing up, keep plugging away, and this, this growth happens, and then the next thing you know, you're in a different place. 
And so all that to say, part of what I'm trying to create here and part of what I try to create um, in my relationships and recovery are platforms for something to happen. Basically a framework for something to happen, a place that has a certain framework and then everything else that happens is a natural progression that I trust that if the framework is right, the natural progression will lead to people's growth. Um, and it doesn't seem monumental. You know, you ask me what we do here every day, and it's like, well, hell, I, I don't know, you know? Like, I cut that board, and I got frustrated about that thing, and, and it just translates into, well, we just make things all well, Look day. at that, the woodwork right there. That's a great example of, yeah. like, there's a lot of problems to solving that throughout the entire process. From the time we were going, this, this right here that represents a dozen problems that, like, had everybody who was involved in the project stopped at different times at different stages. And then I walked in the room today, and, and like, all of these guys are taking pictures of it. Right, proud right. Proud of the, the finished product. Right, right. right. You guys were taking pictures of it, showing right. it off. Right, right, right. And that represents a lot of problems that we had to solve. But that, that realization, this is a very different level of recovery when you realize, oh, man, that thing that I did really didn't make a difference. Because the things that transform us are not, they're not monuments, you know. So much of what people who are drug-addicted want is a monument. We want this monumental experience that makes everything okay, the sort of happily ever after. And so that's what we're looking for. When we're scanning our lives and scanning what's happening, we're looking for the monument. What actually changes us are this sort of daily monotonous chopping wood and carrying water. And next thing we know, just like learning how to play guitar, we can do things because we've been just chopping wood and carrying water. And they're not immediate <clears throat> monuments. But like you told that story with the the guy that told you that quote, like, who knows the amount of time that JP, it's not JP is out. I'm meeting my wife at It's 1.45. Man, it's 1.45, dude. You got at least 16 minutes. He changed his story all of a sudden. As soon as he got that bacon in his belly. I'm late. It stays. Hey, I expect to see you soon here, JP. Johnny Kennedy, you're, you're the man. I still love you, buddy. They're not immediate monuments. Hey, you know what's interesting is that they're not monuments for me at all. Like, this thing going up is kind of like... Um, it's funny, one of the first mentors I had was a jeweler. Um, and this was early in my creative process. And he made amazing things. He made my wedding ring years after we got to know each other. Um, and he would make these amazing things, and I was, I was enamored with his work. And one day we were talking, and he says, you know, the truth of the matter is, when I finish a piece, I don't ever want to see it again. I'm sick of looking at it. And for him, what he was talking, I, I couldn't understand what he was talking about, because I was so proud of um, anything that I created. Um, but what he was talking about is that the process becomes way more important than, than the, finish, the finished goal, you know? So there is a reward early on. I think this is true for m most makers. There's a reward early on of um, accomplishing something and being able to take a picture of it. To me, like, once we were done oiling that, that's off. I'm done thinking about it ever. And chances are I'll never see that again in the way that it is because I'm on to the next. Is that because you have a million other projects to work on? It's because it... I'm not concerned with the outcomes. Yeah, yeah. It's because outcomes are just not important. What's important is to be engaged in the process. And, and, and that's when I find myself most, um, most engaged in life that's in general. That's when we're alive is in the making. Right. When we're Man, done, when we're done. See, this making... guy's a slow learner. You've told him three times to put his mi mi mouth up to the microphone. <laughs> he's leaning back like he's freaking. I got it, I got it cranked up pretty good. For oh yeah. You're solving we're, this problem. We're alive when, because we're thinking, we're problem solving, we're we're accessing accessing other information. We're using our peers to help us out. We're using the space around us, and all that is what happens every day. 
at the, at the end of the day, if there's a wall of walnut to look at it and it's completed, that's just a fleeting moment of, of you could call it success, but it doesn't, it's not ever a monument to me. Monument to me. It's the same idea with a piece of furniture. When the furniture leaves the shop and goes to a, a customer's house or wherever it might live, we're, I'm glad to see it gone because I'm over it. I've spent, I've, spent hours poring over the little details <laughs> in the wood and just getting myopically involved in terms of, of grain structure and joinery and finish and all that stuff that goes into making things. And, and that's the joy of it for me is that I'm involved, I'm, I'm on a task, I'm busy all day long, and then when it's done, it's done. It's time to move on to the next thing. I think part of what he said too is eventually you take enough pictures and they stop feeding you, you know? That's what we think is going to make us be, be better is when there's this moment, there's this monument. It's like, oh, that's the thing. But then you get enough monuments in your life um, and you realize they're just not that important. You know, and then you have enough times where you're engaged in the process enough and you have the experience of being alive. And then that becomes the thing that you look for. At some point, it's, um, you, you know, there's not going to be that moment where I get to walk off into the sunset. That's never coming. So what's the, what's the point in looking for it? You know, if what I can do is... <laughs> got news. I got news for you guys. Maddie's Maddie's once again proving me wrong. <laughs> There's no finish line. There's no. So you end up after a while of doing these things, you end up trying to find a way to make the process more enjoyable, which is also. <clears throat> part of learning. So you have to learn these techniques and these tools and you have to you have to gain more skill with your hands and your body and your mind. And that starts to be the monumental payoff for me is that I I'm I'm more capable to handle something that I may have never done before, but I've got a shop and a crew around me to help support that. And I'm focused on making that a successful moment in time. It might be ten minutes of the bench hand planting a piece of wood. Um, it's not the end result. It's not, oh, look how smooth that wood is and look how tight-fitting that joint is and look how beautiful that piece of furniture is. It's the making of it that counts. And that's my daily di grind is <clears throat> why spend the whole time struggling to do something to get something done and something you can look at when it's the process itself that you want to master. So it's kind of like coming to flow with yes. the process. The flow is a great, flow. great example. And, you know, that's, that's a question I would pose to anybody is, um, if you had the choice to pursue something that you thought was going to make you happy and arrive at that and get whatever you're going to get, whether it makes you happy or not, or you had the option to be content in every moment of the day, which choice would you take? Yeah. Would, you, would you bank on that thing you think is going to make you happy, actually making you happy, and would you bank on all the time you'd have to invest in getting there being worth it? Or, you know, it's like the old, the old proverb, would you rather be right or happy? You know, which one would you rather arrive at the monument or would, would you rather not have the need to get there? You know, if you don't have to need to get there, if, if, if what you can do is find joy in the daily work, what else is there? You know, if, if every day you get up and you enjoy the process of making yourself a cup of coffee and considering your day and doing all those things, there's, there's really not much else to worry about, you know? One of my favorite quotes, and it's interesting, I've been reading this quote, it's a, it's, it, at the core of what got me to start this project was this idea, and I've, I've read, more in where this quote came from. It's a quote by Merton, and it, it's something to the effect of, um, do not depend on the hope of results. 
Um, you, you might fail. You might not get what you want. Everything might fall apart. Um, and basically what you have to do is fall in love with the work itself and let that be enough. And that's not the actual quote. The quote's the way more eloquent than that. Believe in the rightness. Believe in the rightness of the work itself. Um, and so that's always been kind of in my mind is that if I can enjoy what's in front of me, it doesn't matter the outcome. Um, what's interesting is that, that that came out of a letter that he wrote back in response to a guy who was um, protesting the Vietnam War, who was uh, um, a religious guy of some, Merton was a, was a monk. So this guy was a religious guy of some, some stripes and he was talking about how um, he couldn't get through to people, like how is killing people okay and this is a bad thing. And basically Merton's response is like, it doesn't, if you're doing the work, if you believe in the work you're doing, you just got to do that. And you just got to believe in that. And you might not get anything out of it. And there's something about recovery in that too. Is it like, man, early recovery is tough. And, and late reco recovery is tough. Period. Yeah. Because you've got to go to a world you've never been to um, that's really unclear. And so at some point you've got to trust that that's where you're going and you just got to walk there. And, and, and you can't give up in the middle or else you're not going to get um, to have the experience of being there. So there's a similar thing to this. I, I value work like this because it is, there are so many steps of just chopping wood and carrying water. The other element, somebody mentioned it earlier, is we don't do the same thing every day, which makes it, you know, if we were doing, if we were building that wall every day, I'd never want to see walnut again in my life. <laughs> you know. But to live by that quote, right? To love and appreciate the work. Um, you almost kind of, kind of got to take it back to like that fear of failure in that like so many people find themselves like working that nine to five in a cubicle underneath the fluorescent lights that are miserable right. and doing the work, right? So how, like you have to like find what it is right. that provides that fulfillment for you. It's like for, this is an interesting thing though, is like you're in the nine to five, you're in the cubicle, you hate your job, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're in that, we're that person right now. Um, which comes first, the misery or the, the uh, is it something where I can't enjoy this work because I'm miserable? Or is it I, I'm miserable because I've never learned how to enjoy the work? Yeah. And so if you show up to your job no matter what it is, um, I, and, and you find a way to love it, so let's, let's presume for a minute you can find a way to love your work, whatever it is. You know, uh, um, who is the, what's the company's name on the office? The, the paper company, uh, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, the icon of like mundane cubicle work. Mm -hmm. If you can love that, if you can love your job, what do you need? What else do you need if you love your job? And there's always value in helping other people, even if that helping other people is as small as helping the person that's working next to you enjoy their work. Even if the work you're doing is pointless, there's always an opportunity. So if you love your job every day because you're showing up and that's your objective is to love your job, what else do you need? Now, I think the, th the people that learn how to do that don't end up stuck in a cubicle yeah. because there's not a company on the planet that's not looking for somebody that has the capacity to learn how to love what they do. And they share that with others. And, and well, you can't help but share that with others. Yeah. Just loving what you do. Everybody wants to be in, in the presence of somebody that's surrounded by that energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would pose that um, you don't end up miserable in a cubicle without your own assistance. And you don't stay there if what you're working to do is to love what you do. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I understand that that's a pretty big statement. A lot of people don't feel that way. But 
you know, we live in a, a country where you can do whatever you want. You know? I love your perspective. I do. It's a tough sell. <laughs> it's a tough I sell. I love your perspective. I love what I do. I, that much, what I've been focused on is enjoying the work that I do. Um, I've had different jobs that I've done over the years, and I love what I do today. And the times where I've done work that I didn't enjoy, particularly the work itself, um, that's a problem that I had to solve. And what I did love in that moment is learning how to solve that problem yeah. and engaging with the problem and not letting the problem just be become this hurdle that I couldn't get over. You know, it was just a problem that needed to be solved. You know, if there's something that's preventing me from loving the work I do, it means there's a problem that I've got to solve. And it, I enjoy solving problems. And it's on you if you don't address it. Right. And, and the less I address it, the more that problem becomes a hurdle that I can't overcome. And then I end up stuck where I am, you know. So I, I, had, uh, I had a company and we, we survived the economic downturn, but it was, I was scarred after that experience. It was painful. It was difficult. And, you know, we were serving a high-end clientele and they quit spending money. And so I was, I, I was in the middle of that. Finances were tough. Um, naturally, everything that's on the home front is tough when finances are tough. And it was at a time in 2011 where there just wasn't a lot of activity. And what I did is kept showing up and kept trying to do the next right thing um, in spite of how miserable I was, in spite of how difficult it was. Um, and somebody came along and said, I want to buy your company. It didn't, didn't make any sense. And so I can't link that to exactly what I'm talking about. What I can say is that there was something that attracted that company to come along and say, I want to buy what you're doing. You were presenting it in some sort of way. I wasn't presenting it to anybody. Yeah. I was like showing up and saying, how do I hold on to this thing, you know? Um, and how do I do the best job I can? And somebody approached me out of the blue. Um, and what I can say with absolute certainty is that that person, knowing that person, and, and, and that person would not have, have approached me had I been in that I'm miserable and I want to give up. I know that for sure. I know that there was a certain amount of what attracted them to that company was the sort of enthusiasm of the fact that I did at some point love what I did. And, and I still tried to show up for it even when it was difficult. And you were trying to do the best that you could do. I was I always that's trying a to do that. factor here that maybe so, yeah. comes into play. Good work is, is born not from repetition and just showing up. It's also you're putting your heart in it and you want to do something of value. That starts to make, that to me spreads the love all over the place and people are attracted to that, to mm -hmm. good work. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when I was working, when I was working, uh, Framing houses, they used to have a saying on the job site, it looks good from my house, yeah. which basically means like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> how it looks. Yeah. And I just want to punch the clock and get out of here. And there's just no pride in craftsmanship, no pride of ownership. And, um, you know, what we're doing, and you kind of threw me off guard with that question before I've been thinking about it. And it's, it's not like there's a lot of subtlety involved mm -hmm. in, you know, the way that my relationship with craft has enhanced my life and I think it has in some ways and there's a lot of room for me to grow in other ways but <clears throat> you know it's kind of a way of being it's more of uh, like we touched on sort of fluidity and you know if you bring that intractable rigidity into the shop and you come up against a problem one thing is going to break you know it's going to be what you're working on or it's going to be you but if you remain fluid you know and open to just like a different outcome than maybe what you were expecting, um, that like really translates to life. And it's helped me a lot personally with 
like anger, which is something I still struggle with. Like I'm trying to get into Zen mode like these dudes and I hear them talking, you know, but I'm, I like taking pictures of my shit and I'm still pretty like <laughs> fixated on the outcome, you know, but maybe I'll get there one day. Um, but yeah, that like fluidity and just mindfulness too. I was thinking about that. Like as you know, I was pushing a piece of something through this table saw and the blade is about, you know, an inch away from my fingers and I'm paying attention to what's going on, you know, in a way that I think a lot of people aren't in their everyday lives. And I like that. It makes me feel sharp, you know, and it makes me feel alive. And the other thing I was gonna say about, you know, the whole process, um, like how that's fulfilling going from like design concept to finished product is for me like um, it's proof that I exist you know I mean everybody's had some appreciation for the satisfaction of cutting their lawn and seeing the difference between before and after and manipulating your physical environment is just satisfying and I think on some basic level like we're meant to command our realities physically you know, we are like world makers as human beings. Like we have one of our prime power, goals. you know, and we create. And I, I, I don't know. I think that like gets at the essence of things for me. So, yeah, that's what I got. I think like what you were describing is like it's easy to teach that type of like mindset in a space like this, but for somebody that's like doesn't have an opportunity to like work with like-minded individuals who are kind of like intentionally there to create that same sort of space for each other it becomes more of a challenge how do you help the cubicle how do you help yeah I, you or, know I, I think that there's a lot of um, <clears throat> or even like his old his previous employment you know on the job side I, I, I think you I think you create what you set out to create in life. And, you know, and that's a, that's a debatable statement, but I believe that. Um, Your experience tells you that. My experience tells me that. And, and maybe I'm different. You know, maybe, maybe having red hair has put me in a different position. Than <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The beard's looking sharp, baby. The, be, the beard, you know, maybe it's the beard. Uh, I believe that you create what you set out to create. And I believe that um, part of the challenge is learning how to ask the right questions, learning how to search out the right thing. So there's never been a time in my life where I've arrived at any outcome, good, bad, or indifferent, where I can't look back and see the decisions that put me there. Um, I've never met a drug addict that has a set of circumstances that you can't look back and say, that's how you got here. It's on you, yeah. Um, it's not, so necessarily, not necessarily in, in, in that sense of like, man, that's on you. Taking responsibility for... Not even taking responsibility, just an awareness that like, I, I, I've made those choices, right? And so regardless of who's responsible or accountable, all that aside, um, I made those choices. So today, if I'm unhappy with the outcomes, what happens if I change the decisions I'm making? And that's, a, that's the big hurdle, right? And so I think um, one of the reasons why 12-step programs still exist is the last command is to come back and tell people how you got there, right? Um, and I think the reason why it's survived is because there's enough people that say this worked and it can work for you. And that's kind of 
you know, it continues on as a result of that. But what that exchange is, is basically providing somebody who's never been there with enough belief that they're w willing to walk through the valley of darkness to get there. Just on the fact that somebody else has said you can get there, right? A, gr a large group has said. R right. But, you know, I, I didn't hear the large group. I heard one person, yeah. right? There's a lot of people in that large group who I thought, man, this guy's an idiot. I don't, I don't relate to anything he says. But one person said that, and I thought, okay, I can, uh, I, I'm willing to take what he's saying, and I'm willing to walk through a lot of difficulty. So for the person in the cubicle or the person who's new in recovery, the person who's stuck, doesn't matter what context we're talking about, professionally, in relationships, um, in recovery, um, that person is going to have to walk through a tremendous amount of darkness to get anywhere. They're going to have to walk through darkness to, to die. They're going to have to walk through darkness to live and to be happy. No matter what, there's going to be darkness that's walked through. And so one of those options in the type of darkness we walk through is to walk through the darkness of the only thing you have to go on is that somebody else told you you could get there. And so for the person in the cubicle, the, the belief that I would offer somebody is that if you're willing to show up and love what you do and pour your heart, as, as um, Andy mentioned, pour your heart into your work, whatever that is, you know, whether that's in becoming the best paper shuffler or becoming the person in the office that makes life for other people easier by getting them the, the tools they need to do their job or just by exchanging a human interaction with somebody. If that becomes the thing that you do repetitively, what I can say is that I've never seen anybody in my life um, that followed that kind of mindset that didn't have a transformation. But to get from being miserable to being that person is the path. That everybody, this is where we're all alone as human beings. Everybody has to walk that path alone. We have, we have Erica here. <laughs> she, she made us a tremendous launch. Yes, she did. She's a great friend of this program, and she got offered a mic, and she's denying it. Boys Baker. Only. Boys only. That's hardly, a, hardly the case. Yeah, I got that talk. We got. Yeah. Can I use your charger? Yeah. Nice to meet you. Are you sure it's a. Sit down, Matty. You can get in on this. So make it whole. How many current apprentices do you have working with you now? So we got four. We got Andy, who you met, who's uh, he's modest. He's a world-renowned author um, in the woodworking field. He's in his private studios here, which is gorgeous. Um, and he's here to do his own commissions, but also to teach and be a part of what's going on. Um, and Ian uh, is here. He he escaped out today. He was. It was his day off, so he just came for the grilled cheese and bacon. Um, and then we have a whole rotating cast. Erica's one of our best friends. She's bought some great work here to do. She's doing some work right now, which is awesome. Can I borrow your hammer drill? You can borrow her hammer drill. This is what Erica's making right now. Which is awesome. She's, oh, she's got glue everywhere. She's made a mess of my hand. 
If not, it's okay. Um, is there going to be a light? She's, she's working on light fixtures, and that's, so she's got this hide that she's finding different ways to resonate, basically, to impregnate. Yeah, we might lose the live stream in a moment. The laptop's about to die. Uh-oh. What well, kind of need? I apologize, but the full podcast will be posted to all of our streaming sites. There we go. This evening. So y'all can tell all your friends that you're famous and it's going to exist in, yeah. for eternity. The video will be up on YouTube shortly, so if you have the Uh-oh. Thanks for coming in. Well, he's going to keep talking to you. Oh, we are? We're going to keep you on? Until you, get, until you get sick of talking to him. <laughs> um, right. You're not getting sick anytime soon of talking, are you? No. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of conversations taking place in the studio. Yeah. Um, so, like, if somebody, like, what is the process for bringing on other They just call me. That's it. I, there's, no, um, there's no rubber stamp for anything that happens here. Um, so what this place is, is this is a framework. What I've created is a place and um, a set of tools where people can come as they are. Um, and so the four guys that you met here, Ethan and Michael and Adam and Maddie, uh, are very different people with very different backgrounds and very different lessons to learn. Um, and that's, that's going to be the case with anybody who comes here. So this is not a place where we try to create a certain type of person coming out of here. This is a place where we invite people to be here and find out what they need and, and send them on their way. So I don't, I don't expect um, really people to come here and have the same outcomes um, in, in the general sense. In a broader sense, what, I, what we hope for, obviously, is that the outcome is that people find the specific tools that they need. And so as far as getting involved, you know, somebody just calls me up. We'll have a conversation. Uh, I'm not interested in people who, um, who are just biding their time, you know. And so that's really what I'm sussing out. I, um, whatever other circumstances people come here with um, is not nearly as important as whether or not they're willing to work, you know, willing to chop wood and carry water. And that's basically what I asked all the guys who've come here um, in not so many words, whether or not they were prepared to, to do whatever was asked of them. And they all said yes in their own, in their own way. I caught you right in the middle of a grilled cheese. Mid-bite, bite. baby. Mid-bite. <laughs> Michael, get in there. Come on. He's rotating. Adam, Adam's got a bunch of words until you put a freaking mic in front of him. He did. He said he a did. few things. What's on, what's on the horizon for making whole life? What do you guys What's on the horizon? We've got a, we've got a miniature mock-up of a table we're about to build here. Um, it's going to be this dining table, which is just right for, now. To replace this we, We've put a, a tablecloth on a turd here. And... So you didn't realize how ugly this table was underneath, but it is. So we're going to build a beautiful table here. Um, we're shooting to have an open house for anybody that's interested in coming and seeing the space and seeing what we're doing here. Later, um, later in the month, probably February uh, is when that's going to happen. And mostly what we're starting to do is it's been, been sad as uh, the work in the shop's pretty much coming to an end, so we're really starting to focus on specific pieces and projects. And there's a handful of... Uh, materials we're playing around with out of curiosity um, some of those materials are just showing up here like Andy mentioned we're starting to work um, a bit with leather specifically as it relates to furniture and so right now we're in a process of just experimenting with that and using it in different places and seeing how it wears and, and figuring out different ways we can apply it we have a handful of other materials um, some different casting metals that are uh, that just arrived that we're gonna be playing around with and so part of what we've done up to now, even in the stuff we've been building, 
Um, and part of what we'll do in the future is just play around with something and see what sticks, you know, and, and kind of follow, um, follow where we're led. Um, Erica, who was just here, and there's, there's some other people you met when you got here. Um, there's a lot of artisans and creators who are coming here as um, treating this place in a sense like an incubator uh, where they can come and experiment with materials that they might not otherwise have access to um, or techniques that they don't have access to. And that's, there's kind of an open invitation for people who are creating particularly things that they're not familiar with. Um, to come here and kind of drop their ideas on the table and see if there's an opportunity to do that. So people who, um, the, there was a fellow here earlier that is um, a real fine wood sculptor who's come to us to help us take some of his wood sculptures and translate those into concrete and go through the whole molding process of taking rubber molds and, and turning those into a production part. And so that's a great opportunity where we can introduce um, an immensely talented guy to a medium that he's not had exposure to. Um, and, and it creates an energy in here. And that's what I'm talking about, making a framework. That's what I'm talking about. So that these people um, are attracted to come here and, and bring whatever energy they have to bring. Um, what it exposes the apprentices to is different people in different walks of life. Um, and one of the things that I find in early recoveries, it's really easy to get trapped into a monoculture of yourself. You know, a bunch of people who are, who are all in the same stage in life, a bunch of new recovery, a bunch like don't have a lot going on for them by definition. Um, they all end up together and it creates this sort of like, it's a pretty difficult situation to be in. Um, whereas here, what I'm, I'm kind of inviting anybody to come, whether it's eat with us or create with us or whatever, just to see those different work, walks of life, you know, and there's not a template for that either. Um, I like for people to come as they are, whether they're in great shape in life or not, it doesn't really matter to me as long as they're willing to be present when they get here and, and engage. And it's in that moment, you know, that's my job is to create that platform where people can come as they are. What I believe is that when a bunch of people come as they are, things happen. Magical shit happens. Magical shit happens. It becomes, you know, it becomes this thing where um, the, the finished object is greater than the sum of the parts. And that's my, my principal belief in this project is that if I can create that, things happen. Um, and, and I don't know what that's going to look like. And I was talking with somebody, Matt Nannis, who said he was going to come. He told me he was coming. He told me he was coming. Last night, he told me he was coming. He said he's definitely coming, yeah. and, he, and he didn't. He said he had, he said he had to be somewhere this afternoon, and he what popped a in bunch before of we started. Rubbish, yeah. that guy. Uh, anyway, he and I were talking last night, and I was telling him that this this has always been this project's always been a bit of a science experiment for me, and that's the experiment. It's what happens when um, you create that type of atmosphere. I want to find out. You're gonna find out. I'm, I, we, we are finding out, out. right? Yeah. But I'm all, I'm curious. You know, so we're finding out right now what happens in a general sense. I'm curious, what does this look like 10 years from now? What happens when this becomes something that um, people go on and, and have children and their children come here? You know, either to see where their dad, you know, pulled his head out of his ass or come, come here as, as they are because they need to figure out a way to pull their head out of their ass, you know. That, what happens when this becomes a generational thing? Um, because when I got to a point in my recovery where... Um, it was time for me to, to take on a new face, and I asked myself, what is it that, that made my recovery what it is today? It was that, um, in a sense, accidental synergy that was around me that really um, created an environment to make me who I am. And so, 
Um, my question is, can you do that intentionally? Can you create that place intentionally? And does, when you've created that place, does it have the same effect that I experience in my life on other people in a general sense, you know? Um, help, help people um, become the people they are, as opposed to saying, hey, we're gonna bring somebody in here and turn them out looking a certain way or get a certain outcome as a result, you know? Um, I'm saying, let's bring them in here and see what happens. And in a general sense, my belief is when people get put in that environment, they strive to become different human beings. Yeah. What were you guys working on when I walked in the door today? That was the, the project with the guy who's, who's translating one of his wood sculptures into concrete. Um, that was going on. We, uh, Adam and I were, were, we were literally butchering a butcher block. We, Adam was running it through a tool, and it was unadvisable. And he did it on my suggestion, and it exploded. Um, That's happened before. It's yeah, happened on before. a cutting board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've so um, we were doing things kind of bigger than our eyes were bigger than our mouths, I suppose. In this case, our, our objects were bigger than our tools. Um, Adam was safe. Adam knows how to handle himself around a tool. Um, so we were doing that. We were getting the 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 walnut finished up. So there's a bunch of things going on. Um, I have some family and friends from Scotland who are coming to stay here on Monday night, so we're getting the bedrooms ready for those folks um, to be our guests. Oh, Adam, taking a picture. You know, he's a good picture taker, Maddie. I've seen it. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's quality. Yeah, just of all of us, going, just for for the little thing that goes out. I send out like a little hey, newsletter. Like, do it from this side, Adam. Oh, hey, will you grab my phone over there <laughs> after you're done? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this has been fantastic. Sweet I man, like the, you I haven't even gotten to actually eat your grilled I've been, cheese. And, I've been starving. I've been dipping it in there. It's, it's delicious. Well, you hadn't had a chance to really yeah, sit down and get, get into it. We'll hang for a little bit once we wrap up. Hey. Nice, cool. Um, Will you grab my phone over on the couch? Yes. Yeah, so anyway, we're gonna have this Let's open house. I'll quick. make sure to uh, let everybody know. I'll let you know, Stephen, so people can come and yeah, I'll be happy and to see, happy see what it is. The heck out yeah. Of and, it for you. And, and, and until then, you know, we, we have an open door policy here that anybody's welcome to join us, particularly for lunch. Um, every day or just on Fridays? Every day. Every day. Every day. Oh. I can't tell you what time that's gonna happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and and generally, I think we have a typical. There's always typically a 15-minute lag on when I say we're eating mm -hmm. and when we actually yeah, start serving food. We probably have not ever eaten in there. 12.30, one. 12.30, one, something like that. But we have lunch here every day, and it, you know, particularly if you've got time to kill. And I, I love for anybody. Everybody we, we had uh, Nick Cardillo, who was, who was tuning in earlier. Um, he, he brought his crew over uh, to eat with us the other day, and that was awesome. Um, yeah, people show up. So we'd we like for anybody to show up. So that can happen anytime. Any, anybody that's interested in finding out what's going on here, um, don't hesitate to ask. We're right across from a brewery and below a wine shop. Yeah. So all y'all know where that is. I, I had trouble finding it. I did. I punched did in you? the address just off your website. Oh, we, we, did the, uh, we did the logo for the wine shop, too. We did. Did that. you? Dude, yeah, that, that, was a that was an awesome project. We, um, Michael did the pigment for the cement. Is it, and, is um, it cement, Manny? I mean, concrete. Oh, he got it. <laughs> concrete, concrete. Hey, Manny, what, tell everybody, what's the difference between cement and concrete? Are you going to be able to answer this one? Um, cement is like, um, is like the rough, uh, like rocks and... Enough. Uh, one of these days. So what Maddie's goal is before he leaves here is to be able to say the difference between cement and concrete. 
And for anybody that's curious, cement is like the glue that holds together all the rocks. I was going to say that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) At what point were you bringing that full circle? (laughs) Cement is what glues the rocks together. So you, you you are in the right general space. Cement is what glues the rock together, and then after you got the finished product, it's concrete. Right. Yeah, exactly. See? There you go. And the concrete. Maddie Morgan. Yeah. Difference in cement and concrete. There you go. I love it. How can, how can people find you? Facebook, Instagram, Yeah, we're Twitter. on Facebook and Instagram. Making Whole is the, the handle on both those. Um, we've got a website. I think my phone number's on there, so I think probably my email, too. Makinghole.com. So, Makinghole.com. Yeah, and, and we, we uh, most everything we do, we post a lot on Instagram and it feeds over to Facebook, but Instagram's a good way to, to check us out. The best way to find us is to come down here. We're at 745 Biltmore Avenue, which is if you arrive at that on Google, you're going to end up at a dentist and a wine shop, and we're actually the basement, so you got to come around back to find us. And when you find us at the basement, you'll be right, aqui- right across from uh, High Wire's Big Tent. That's where we are, so we, we're right in the belly of the alcoholic beast right here cool it's perfect <laughs> we're not we're not avoiding temptation really? this is no this is no eskimo on the <laughs> polar ice cap here this is right in the heart of it i'd like to do this again with you guys like check in somewhat right, regularly Any, so. anytime you, you know this this becomes a good opportunity for you to get an excuse to come eat lunch here i think so and i, I welcome that and maybe next time guys like matt Nanis. And uh, James Patrick Casal, James Skelton. I was yeah. really, when you told me James was showing up, I was super excited about that. And uh, he's a no shit. JP is actually, JP came through mm-hmm. and almost stayed as late as he said he would. It was pretty close. So, yeah, you're welcome to, to join us anytime and grab any of these guys to, uh, to talk to them, too. They've got stories to tell you. They, they, they've actually been a little gunshot on the lips here, but that's not because they're short of words, you know. Especially Erica. Erica, yeah, <laughs> she's got things to share. She's trouble. We'll get it, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks. Visit our website at ncraw.life to subscribe to the website. We will be back Monday night. Jose Guerrero, thanks for tuning in. Hooray, hooray.